we're going to start anyway. First of all, I want to thank everyone for, uh, it was our monthly outreach, Friday, boxing the food up, Saturday, distribution, and oh my, the folks who are out deserve a round of applause because it was a heavy-duty day, and the cars were lined up all the way out to the road the whole time. So let's... Uh, Round of applause for all those who assisted, and we just thank you for your efforts and your labors in sharing in that. Let's have a word of prayer together. Would you stand with me, please? We really need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel and the entire situation there. The world is teetering on the brink of outbreaks everywhere. And we need to pray. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus today, and we're thankful that you're still the God of Israel. We ask, Father, that as we stand uh, thousands of miles away from them, our hearts are together with those who are suffering, those who have lost loved ones, for the innocents that are being used as human shields, for the, the, those that are held captive, and Father God, we're asking that you would do once again what you've done before. We read in your word, Father, how that forces from the outside were raiding into Israel. And you gave insight to the prophet Elisha of exactly where the attacks were coming and where so that they could avoid and win victory. Father, do it again. Do it again. Give insights that they cannot know, intelligence that they cannot ascribe to. But Father God, we ask that you would hold Israel in the palm of your hands. We pray, Father God, for uh, during these days that this would be a wake-up call to those who think they've got plenty of time. The coming of the Lord could be at any moment. We ask, Father God, for your intervention. We pray for your intervention here today as we gather to worship you. And we pray, Father, that our thoughts would be brought together and focused upon you, not upon our enemies, not upon all the different things that are going on, not upon the works of the evil one, but upon the greatness of our God. And we will give you all praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's worship.
You guys just have to read your bulletins today because we're taking over for a second. So. <laughs> All right. JR, if you could have a seat on the first row there, please. All right, as you guys know, this is Pastor Appreciation Sunday, but the kids wanted to do something to honor JR since he is their pastor. So, all right. So, to JR, our wonderful lifesaver leader. We would like to take five and tell you what a sweetheart you are. You're always there to pick up the pieces. Sometimes we act like airheads or nerds. And you probably think we're from the Milky Way. But we want you to know you've made a mounds of difference in our lives. Thank you for your commitment to making us Bible smarties. You deserve a hundred grand to go shop in New York. But instead, you get this as your payment. <laughs> Since you're extra special. <laughs> With love from your Lifesaver kids. All right. Then they also have something that they've put together that they each wanted to thank you for. I'm going to take the microphone to them. So thank you, JR, for teaching us never giving up up on us thank you jr for putting up with my nonsense <laughs> thank you for being here all my life thank you for helping me when life is hard Te thank you for teaching us about god thank you for listening to us and then we had a few others that didn't get on the paper or that weren't here today, but some others say helping me learn to pray or uh, being a kids' church pastor, helping us and teaching us about God. So thank you, JR, for all you do for the kids. And then if I could have Terry Stewart come up. Trinity. Now, if I could get Carissa 
Pastor Carissa, Gary, and Linda to come up and join Pastor. Oh, she's not, can't come. Okay, that's fine. So what's your excuse? Yes. No, you guys are fine. Huh? Mm. But we have a little presentation for the pastor's appreciation today. Uh, let me start by sharing a verse found in Romans ten fifteen. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This morning we would like to take a few minutes to honor our pastors and their spouses because this verse is so true and being lived out in their lives. Being a minister is definitely not for everyone. It is something you have to be called to to do for sure. We are thankful for Pastor Ken and Pastor Carissa have that calling on their lives and especially that they both have been obedient to follow God's calling here at Trinity these two not only share the good news of the gospel with their flock they also lead and serve alongside their flock Pastor Ken preaches and teaches the whole unchanging word of God not a watered down full of opinions version he is there for his people whether it be a phone call in the middle of the night or early early morning hospital visit. We can always count on his prayers. He is the first to start working on a work day, and he leads by example of how to be a servant. We love that he reminds us to keep God first in all we do, to serve the community. There are so many things that our pastors do behind the scenes that don't get recognized, but today we'd like to show our appreciation for all of it. Pastor Carissa teaches her students the word and how to apply it to their difficult teenage lives. She's always there to lend a helping hand or a listening ear and has the, earned the title of Master Problem Solver for the many church issues. We also appreciate her musical leadership and her willingness to take on a special projects and events. No one can fill our, the shoes of our pastors. No one else can really relate to what a pastor goes through except our pastors and maybe their spouses. We so appreciate the time Pastor Ken and Pastor Chris to give up with their own families, so we want to recognize Linda and Gary alongside them today. They sacrifice and serve right along with Pastor Ken and Pastor Carissa. We are thankful for the young adult ministry Gary and Carissa have grown, as well as the tech support Gary provides. Your efforts do not go unnoticed. Linda, you do so much to keep the office organized and running smoothly. We see the big things that you do, like managing the women's ministry and a yearly yard sale. But we want you to know that we are also grateful for all the many little things that really add up. While Pastor Ken and Linda could be leisurely re enjoying retirement, they have chosen to be obedient to continue serving God and his people here at Trinity. You are all loved, and we realize how blessed we are to have such wonderful godly leaders here. No one can fill the shoes of our pastors. Let me repeat that. 
No one can fill the shoes of our pastors. Some may try. At this time, can I have my special volunteers come up, please? Stand behind him. See if they fit. don't fit thank you you can go have a seat you're next well don't fall over a little big ain't they (laughs) sort of all right you can go have a seat nope nope All right, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes people think they can do this job and they step into the shoes and see if they fit, but they don't. No matter how much you try, you cannot make something fit if it doesn't fit. These are difficult shoes to fill, but we are so thankful that we have found the perfect fit. Pastor Ken and Linda, Pastor Carissa and Gary, will you please come and try on these new shoes we have for you? Yeah, you can sit down. are the shoes that only these four can fill in this church. Amen? We count on you. We love you. And we thank you for all the countless things that you do seen and unseen. 
These shoes are yours to keep since only you can fill them. And with it, we have a monetary gift of appreciation from the board. We know we can never repay you here on earth for what you deserve, but God will have jewels for your crown someday as a much better thanks for your service to his people. Uh, could I get Tom to come forward? We're going to pay for the pastor and the spouses. Huh? Oh, yeah, I need to get the rest of the board. Sorry. If you guys come over to pastor, it would be a lot easier for them. You want the mic? Where's Jim today? Jim and Andy are late today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, would you stand with us? On behalf of a grateful church, Gary, Grissa, Linda, Pastor, uh, you know, there's not enough that we can do for you. Uh, you put it in context to what you do for us. And uh, we're, just, we're just grateful. Uh, we can't send you to Israel, even if you could go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we want to treat you to lunch this afternoon and just share a time together. Uh, and we do have a gift for you uh, that we will present to you at the luncheon. But uh, I'm just going to ask you all if you'll just uh, bow your heads with us and we're going to pray for God's continued anointing. Father God, we offer a prayer of thanks to you today for your mighty gifts. We thank you, Lord, for a, a dedicated staff that works tirelessly on our behalf. These people wear so many hats, Lord God. Uh, and they do it because they love you. They do it because they love us. And we're grateful. So, Father God, I just ask you today that you continue to bless these families. All that they need, all that they do, that your anointing just continue to rest upon them. We're grateful, Lord. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name today. Amen. Amen. I know we. Uh, this is the, the day and the month that we appreciate our pastor and their families, but we want you to know that we appreciate you every day of the year. Can we give a round of applause for our family? The family.
rock in a weary land. Everything else is shaky, he's solid. We live in a shaky world right now, don't we? But God still rocks solid. Lean on him. Father God, we praise you today. Your stability in an unstable time. You're the rock. You're our fortress, our deliverer, our strong tower. You're a Jehovah's Yadah, the God who is all-sufficient more than enough. We praise you today and we'll continue to thank you tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I got myself a new hat, too. Well, I won't wear it right now. It's a new tag hat. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It was exciting yesterday as we were having the cars pull through. I got to go out and, and uh, talk to a number of the, the folks. And I had one lady flag me down. She says, I watch every Sunday on the live stream. And she's not able to get out to, due to other situations. And I want to say a big hello to those who watch us on the live stream. Could I, we have a round of applause for our live streamers. <clears throat> and we let everybody know that we not only live stream on Sunday mornings, but also our Wednesday morning Bible class as we're going through the entire Bible looking at Principles of Prayer, Prayer by the Book. And we're going through book by book and learning prayer principles. Our evening uh, Bible study for the adults, we are in the Gospel according to John. And we've not made it that far, but we're getting on there. Uh, we're in the third, uh, second chapter right now. But we want to invite you to come out to Discipleship Wednesday, where there's classes and ministries for all ages, Bible study in the morning, and then all the classes in the evening, plus an adult Bible study. It's a time to grow in our faith, and boy, do we need to grow in our faith. One thing we've been noticing in our study the last several weeks here on Sunday mornings, we're in a, a theme, giants in the land, gigantic problems that have been faced and conquered by faith in God. We've noticed that one of the giants that we looked at last time was the gigantic problem of an ignorance of God's Word that's rampant in our world today. And we found that according to Scripture and according to practice, we can't, if we don't know God's Word, we can't know His ways. And we can't just pull a verse out here and a verse out there. We've got to know the author and have him inscribe that word into our heart. We're going to be continuing to look today at giants in the land. And we're going to be looking at the giant of fear. Fear is a huge issue right now. I know individuals that are paralyzed by fear. 
And God has a solution for it. We're going to be finding it in God's Word today. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We're turning back to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> and once again, I, I can't see what's going on. Well, that would be a good thing. Well, you know, we ought to do that. You know what we're going to do while we're taking up the offering? We're going to read the word while we're taking up the offering. So gentlemen, why don't you come forward? Well, they got me all discombobulated this morning. Uh, thank you very much for your kind words and those, those expressions. And you know me. You get me off track and I'm in the wrong train terminal. We'll pray first and then while I'm reading the scripture... That will be our song for the offering, okay? <clears throat> Maybe I'll sing the scripture. No, probably not. Father, we ask your blessing upon our tithes, our offerings, our gifts of love to you. We give you praise, Father God, for who you are, all you've done, and all you're about to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 13, beginning with verse number 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they have the children of Israel, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report. A bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. Father God, bless your word to overcome our fears. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Do I need to move this microphone? It seems a little... Please do. Okay. Thank you. You want me to... You see, we've been looking at giants. We first looked at how the giants got here. 
And ultimately, we saw that there was a compromise between godly people and people of the lineage of Cain. And what happened was not a, a melding together. Evil wins when good compromises. Evil triumphs when good men and women compromise the truth. It doesn't even out. Years ago when I was in uh, social studies class and geography class and things that I was not all that crazy about, we studied about like the Suez Canal and different other places in the world where the two oceans met and I always thought, maybe you did too, well, why don't you just go through the Panama area, like for the Panama Canal, just cut a trench, and it'll all, the, the, the one ocean is tall, is larger than the other, and it'll just even out, right? right. It, it seems reasonable. I mean, you, you go through Isthmus of Panama, and you dig a big trench, and the waters from the Pacific and the Atlantic will just kind of even out. Nope. It creates a turmoil. It creates a rapid situation. And it does not even out. So it is with evil and good. If you just kind of compromise good to get along with evil, evil has already won. There's giants in the land that they're going into the promised land, but also there's gigantic problems that we face that will not be, com will not be conquered by compromise. Right. The problems of today's world will not be made over by compromise. I find it interesting right now, people are crying, well, we need to have a ceasefire in, in Israel. Well, we had opportunity for that before two weeks ago when somebody else fired the first rockets, thousands of them, with no intent of peace, but only war. But Israel's supposed to hold back and play nice. I believe it was Netanyahu who said, if our enemies would lay down their weapons today, we would have peace. If Israel lays down its weapons today, there will be no Israel. Folks, if you've not been praying for Israel, realize that it's God's time clock. And to pray for God's help for Israel. These are desperate times, desperate times. So we've looked at the giant of compromise. And last week we looked at the gigantic problem of an ignorance of the Word of God, which results in a people who do not know how to follow God. If you've been watching the news and you've been watching the commercials, 
you find that people are quoting scriptures, but they don't know the author. Because you can bring a scripture out of context and try to prove your point, but it does not prove what the author intended. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is the author. And he does not change. He's the Lord God. He changes not. And his principles do not change. We need a resurgence of the study and application of the Word of God. We're going to be looking at another giant today, a giant in the land. We read our scripture from Numbers, and we found that they had come all the way through the wilderness. The children of Israel had exited in great victory over Egypt. They've gone through a one-year journey. During this time, they've been transformed from slaves into soldiers. It's a one-year boot camp that God put them through in the wilderness wanderings. He brings them in that period of time, not a direct route, but a circuitous route because he had them to learn lessons of depending upon him. Whether it's crossing through the Red Sea or having manna provided, they needed to know that their source was not themselves. Anytime we begin to believe that our, our success depends upon us, we're in trouble. Believer friend, if you think your success depends upon you, get ready to lose. But if your source is the Almighty God, prepare to win. Prepare to have victory. So they've come on this year-long journey. And they fought different foes, and they found that God was faithful. And God has brought them up to the Jordan River at flood stage. On an average day, the Jordan River is really not that big, not that wide, not that hard to cross over. But at flood stage, it is. And it's very rapidly moving. And they brought them up at flood stage, and Moses, under the direction of the Lord, this was not Moses' idea, this was God's, God said, I want you to send spies into the land, not to see if you can conquer it, I've got that. But to see what lies ahead that can be yours if you'll just trust me. Oh, there's a whole message in that, folks. God is not wanting you to see if you can handle life or not or the problems of life or not. He's got that. He wants us to get a foretaste of what he has in store if we'll just trust him. And so they sent the spies over, one from every tribe. And we have their names listed in the scripture. It's really insignificant except for two. The two that we want to focus on a little bit today, Joshua and Caleb were two of the spies that went in to the land of promise. This was a land God promised to give them. 
And how many of you know God's pretty good at keeping his promises? The Bible teaches us that his promises are yes and amen, it's done. When God says it, you can believe it. If God says it, you can stand on it. If God promises it, it will come to pass. We've dealt with this before, that there are some people who say, well, God said this, or God told me that. If it does not come to pass, pick up your rocks and stone them. Because it wasn't God. Oh, there'd be a lot less false prophets around if we'd pick up the stones. I gotta get back. So he sends the spies over not to see if they can conquer it, but to whet the appetite of the children of Israel for what lies on the other side. They've been having a steady diet of manna and quail. You say, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, but how many of you, maybe you have this discussion at your house. Well, what are we going to have for supper? Well, how, what about this? Oh, I'm, 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 I, we just had that. Well, what about, well, no, it, I'm, not hung, I'm not hungry for that. Well, how about I bring out the leftovers? No, I don't, no, 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 don't, don't, no, don't want the leftovers. And after a while, nothing sounds good that you already have. After one year, just one year, they were tired of manna. There's just so many ways you can fix it, you know? And I know I like fried chicken. But every day fried quail does not cut it for me either. You want a good beefy burger or something, you know? And they were tired of it. And the Lord wanted to whet their appetite for what was on the other side. He brought them up at flood stage, and it was also told us it was the time when the grape arbors of the land were bringing out the new grapes. And we've all seen the, the artist configuration as the spies came back, and on their shoulders they had a pole, and in the middle of the pole was this massive harvest of grapes that it took two men to carry to this day that's one of the symbols of Israel the land of promise just like God said a land flowing it said with milk and honey and just an ideal situation they sent the spies over and they went throughout the land a promise and they came back and they all saw the same thing they made mention of the plenteous foods and grains and corn in the field and and all of the different things that they saw but 10 of them had a bad report they bought brought back samples of the stuff and the people said, wow. You can almost hear the, ooh, as they bring in the grapes. And they said, oh, there's more of this over there. Oh, 
And the people thinking, well, this would be a great time to go over. But the ten dissuaded them. They said, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice land, but we're not able to handle it. We're not able to take it. They, they made some strange statements. They said, it's a, it's a terrible, it's a, it's a great land for those people, but not for us. Yes, there's all these great crops and vineyards and fields and everything, but it's not for us. It says it's a land that devours its people. Now, figure that one out. They're afraid of the inhabitants of the land. They've not been devoured. They read their fears into the situation that it's not for us. They had come to the conclusion that God did not know what was best for them. It's always a dangerous place and conclusion to come to. God has planned. How many of you believe God has a plan and a purpose for your life? God has a way that you may not be crazy about, but he has plans for you that are in your best interest and in my best interest. When we come to a conclusion that I'm not crazy about what God has in store for me, we are in dangerous places, and it leads to fear. If we're afraid of what God has in store for us, we're never going to enter in to the land of promise. Now, there are several places we could have already stopped and preached about for a while, but I'm going to try and move on. It says, they're stronger than we are. They're of great stature. And we were in our own eyes like grasshoppers before them. Now, I have no idea what I looked like to a grasshopper. But I would assume that if the grasshopper had any, any concept at all, if he looked up and saw this big, ugly guy, he would hippity-hop off as quickly as he could. Now, I haven't seen grasshoppers recently, but over in the Bible study room, we have a cricket. We have a cricket that is not afraid of me. I don't know if he has bad eyes. He's not even afraid of Jamie because he's back in that corner where you sit. He's back there. And just about the time I think I've got him scared out, he breaks into song again. But the children of Israel, the ten spies came back, and they had concluded, first of all, that God's plan was not for them. They had concluded that the obstacles to taking on that land of promise was too great for them. They saw themselves as inadequate to the challenge. And therefore, we are not able to go and conquer the land. When we see gigantic problems and issues, it can strike fear in our heart if we focus on them. 
We do not deny their existence. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if we merely focus upon the greatness of our giants, we will turn and run in fear. We'll never conquer them. And this giant of fear that we're dealing with today is a big one. Satan wants to keep you in a spirit of fear because he knows what God has planned for you. He wants above all for you to prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. God has excellent plans for you. God wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be victorious, not defeated. He wants you to have faith and not fear. He wants you to experience all of his goodness and all of his blessing. He wants to have a relationship with each one of us. Satan does not want us to enter into the land of promise. And fear will keep you out. Fear will hold you back. They said... Uh, we can't do it. There's no way. We were like grasshoppers even in our own sight. That's significant. But then there's two other guys, and you think they must have been asleep on the trip. Have you ever gone on a long ride and the kids are in the back sleeping and they wake up, well, where are we? We're right where we were in the car when you went to sleep. But they're looking around and, are we there yet? And, you know, it's like these two other guys were asleep on the trip. They went through the whole land with them. They saw the same giants. They saw the same bounty of the land. And yet their view is 100 times different than the view of the ten. Numbers 13 that we already read. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Boy, ten guys? Majority rules, right? Realize this, faith will always be in the minority. Faith will always be in the minority because people have giant phobias. They just won't see it. How can it happen? How can it be done? How can it? Faith is always in the minority. But the good news is, one person, with faith in one God can overcome a thousand. And two, you get two people on board with God and 10,000 multiples of victory when even two people start viewing it in faith. These two people viewed the land in faith. How can you have 10 people 12 people have such a different view of the exact same journey. They say that uh, eyewitnesses are the most unreliable of any witness because they see things from their perspective 
rather than the whole perspective. And if you move things to this side or move things that way, the whole picture changes. Did you see the ball game yesterday? How many of you watched as, as our second string quarterback crossed the goal line with the ball intact? And he was not down because he was laying on another player. He never was down until he got across. But they didn't score him a touchdown. They took it from four different angles. Even the guy on the that was commenting said, that looks like a touchdown to me. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. Twelve guys saw the same things and came to two diametrically opposed opinions. The guys say, we can't do this. We're grasshoppers in their sight. And we look like grasshoppers to us. We have a grasshopper view of those people over there. And we're scared to death of them. And Caleb said, let's go now. We're ready. We don't have to bulk up or anything. We, we're ready to go in. We're well able to take this and possess it and gain the victory. How can 12 men have such a, a disparative view of the same events. First of all, I want you to realize this. The giants were real, not imagined. Yes. Moses states it in Deuteronomy 3.13. Joshua states it in 12.3 and 4, in 13, and also 17.15. In all of these places, they acknowledge the giants are real. One of the things that has happened in the church world and in religious society is people are trying to convince you the giants that you face are not real. Folks, they're real. There are spiritual influences that stand against you. There is a devil. He has demonic forces at his disposal, and he is out for your destruction. The giants are real. Why do they try to convince you they're not real? Because they don't believe them. They, they, they want you to convince yourself it's all in your... It's all in your head. It's not real. The giants were real. I'm not here to tell you that you don't have any problems. I'm not here to tell you that, that you're going to always wind up on top in every situation. You're always going to triumph. I've been on losing teams my entire life. What can I say? For many years, I've been a Bengals fan. And it's only until the last couple years that we showed any promise whatsoever. Oh, Browns fans know what I'm talking about. Able to snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory many times. But I'm not here to convince you that you don't have any giants in your world. I'm not trying to pump you up. I want you to realize, yes, the giants are real. 
the gigantic things that you're facing are real. They're not imagined. It's not just in your head. It may be how your head processes them, yes. But the giants are real. Satan is real. The devil is on duty 24-7 with a single solitary goal of disrupting you from a relationship with Almighty God and keeping anybody who's already bound in sin to keep them bound in it until the ultimate judgment. It's real. It's not imagined. But there are those who who want to parse this out in such a way that it's all in your head. It's not. If you have a better self-image, if you think better of yourself, you can defeat all of these things because they're all just up in your head. It's a mental game. It's psychological. They saw themselves as grasshoppers in the eyes of the enemies that they faced, and so they were. But you see, though the giants are real, so is God. The giants are real that you face. I'm not here to tell you they're not. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. No, I understand. You have a serious problem. It's real. But I feel like this and that. Yes, you do. I'm not denying that. But I want to get your gaze off of your giant and look beyond your giant and see a mighty God that crushes giants, that giants run from your God, that giants are terrified of your God. Demonic forces that can rip and contort and control and give superhuman strength to a demoniac in the Gadarenes. You remember that story? No man could bind him. He was scaring everybody in the region. They just avoided where the demoniac was. He roamed in it with chains hanging from his wrist that he had broken with superhuman strength because demons do have power. Some people believe that, that Satan has no power. Uh, I actually heard him say his, his teeth, his fangs were pulled at Calvary. Well, he gums awful hard, doesn't he now? <laughs> Satan's real. His power is real. But God's power. <laughs> Here we have Jesus land on the shores of the Gadarenes. And the disciples are too scared to get off the boat. They've heard about this guy. This demon-possessed guy. Thousands of demons in him. He calls himself Legion. Not, that's not his name. That's the name given him through the demonic possession a legion of demons within him. An entire army of demons in this guy that could break chains. 
and terrorized the neighborhood. The disciples, brave men that they were, stayed on the boat. Not a one of them got out. Not a one. There's no Peter saying, oh, let me go with you, Lord. Thomas is not saying, I'd go with you, Lord. Nobody, nobody. They're staying on the boat. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait here for you, Jesus. Uh, we're, we're okay. We'll just, you had to stop here, so there you go. <laughs> they probably did not bring the boat all the way to the shore. They made him jump out and wade in. They didn't want a thing to do because they'd heard the stories about the demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes. You can imagine the perspective of the, of the disciples from the boat watching what was going to happen next. You heard about this? Oh, yes, I have. What do you think, Pete? I ain't getting out there. Uh-oh. John says, look, here he comes. Running from the caves, the burial caves on the top. <laughs> Guy is, he, he's unclothed. I mean, that'll scare you anyway. He, he's, he's got chains hanging off. He's frothing about, he's, he's just frothing at the mouth. His eyes are rolled in the back of his head. He's shouting and screaming demonic curses at this one. And he's running down the hills. He's, he's running down. And, Jesus, and, the, and Peter says, do you think we ought to go out and help? No, no, no. They stayed in the boat. He said, oh, no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And the guy frothing at the mouth, eyes rolled in the back of his head, naked as whatever, and chains hanging off that he's broken, and he's slobbering, and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And you can hear the conversation on the boat. That was unexpected. They thought he was going to get torn to shreds by this guy. Not that they would help him. And then the demons speak. They know who Jesus is. And they're afraid of him. And demons say, Have you come to torment us? Complete the verse. Before our time. Folks, there's a time coming. When every demon force from the pits of hell. Every demon that has walked around and terrorized mankind, all the evil spirits, all of the dark side and the occult and all the different things that are going on and people casting spells and these type of things, every demon, every devil from the pit of hell is going to bow down because there's coming a time that they will be cast into a lake of fire and no way out. The disciples never got out. But the demon did. They got out of the man with one single Greek word out of the mouth of Jesus. Have you come to torment us before our time? Jesus didn't answer their question. 
You see, no man knows when the coming of the Son of Man will be, but the Father only. Jesus simply says one word, go. I don't think he had to shout it. There's no indication that he screamed it at them. Go! No. Go. And they asked permission. Did you hear what I said? They didn't say, well, I think we'll do this. No, you don't do that with Jesus. Mm -mm. Could we go and possess some pigs? Please? They begged of him because they wanted to torment something but they couldn't torment that man because Jesus came and said go folks everybody was scared of the demon possessed man but Jesus wasn't because he was the son of almighty God and all it took was one word. Go. And they had to evacuate because of his word. And the, the thousand or so pigs came running off the area. And back in the boat. All they're doing is staring. Jesus gets back in the boat says, okay, we can go now. <laughs> I bet they talked about it for years. Did we see what we thought we saw? Folks, the giants are real. The demonic forces are real. Satan is real. But in their eyes, they are as grasshoppers before the one true mighty Christ Jesus. The ten spies had forgotten something. They'd forgotten their one-year journey that started with walking out in victory from Egypt as mighty God struck down every false idol, every false god that Egypt worshipped. They worshipped the sun god. You remember that dark time that came? They worshipped the river Nile as a goddess. Remember when that turned to blood? They worshipped the land of Egypt itself. Every morning they would go out and they would kneel down and they would kiss Mother Earth not when it had maggots on it. No kissing was going on that day. They worshipped the fertility goddess of the frog, but they didn't like frogs anymore when they covered the land, even into the bedchamber, it says. Every single false deity that the Egyptians worshipped fell 
before the voice of the mighty God. Until a, a Pharaoh who said, I won't turn loose of my slaves, begged them to get out of town. These ten spies forgot all that. They'd been there for that. All ten of them had been there for the massive exodus out of Egypt where they came out and the people of Egypt were saying, here, here's some gold, uh, get out of town. Here, here's some fine linen, please get out of town. We've had enough of your God. And as they're marching out in victory, not defeat, the ten spies are walking with them. These ten spies were there when they got up to the Red Sea and they began to fear and panic already. I mean, they were just newly out from Egypt's captivity. They hadn't had a chance to walk very long with God. And they were fearful. And if there's someone here today, you've just begun your walk with God. God's not going to chastise you because you're fearful of things and the giants in the land that you face. But he's going to walk before you. Get closer to him when the giants rise up. The massive Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's chariots behind, and the Lord blew a strong, mighty wind and split that sea, and they walked across, not in mud, but on dry ground. And they got to the other side, and they were beginning, they'd just seen this miracle, and they're starting to panic on the other side. They're just learning. They're just learning. And when Pharaoh's troops got a halfway across, Moses said, that's it. And the armies of Pharaoh were consumed. But the ten spies were there. All 12 of them were there. Caleb and Joshua were there too. They were shouting on the other side, uh, Miriam grabbed a tambourine. I like that gal. She grabbed a tambourine. I don't know if she could sing a lick like me, but, but, uh, but she grabbed and started, I will sing unto the Lord for who? He. You see, they knew who won the victory that day. It was God, not them. Pharaoh's forces were not defeated because of anything they did. It was who they were hanging with. They were hanging with Almighty God. And then they received the commandments of God. They, they were under the pillar of cloud all day and sheltered from the heat of the desert. And they were under the cloud of fire for warmth at night in the desert cold. Every morning when they got up, they had fresh manna bread from heaven to gather it in, and every day the quail began to flutter down and land and say, I'm here for lunch, your lunch, for one full year. And he brought them up to the edge of the Jordan, and they crossed over, and they got their eyes off of the God who had led them thus far. 
The giants were real. But they didn't see God as able to handle it. You see, they didn't need a pep talk. A pep talk's not going to give you the victory over the giants of fear in your life. How many of you got, would admit to having a few fears right now? Anybody? Like me? Oh, you're, you're too much of a person of faith. No hands raising. You're not afraid of anything, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Then those calls I get are not from you, I guess. They're, they're not, they're not, they're not, not from you. No, no. You see, you're not going to tell. I heard that. It's not you having a better self-image that's going to get you through this. They were, they said, we were in our own eyes like grasshoppers. And the solution from today's church world is have a better self-image. Have some personal growth mantras and some dream walls that you can conquer all the giants. Folks, on your best day, on my best day, I'm a failure. Not a, one demon wakes up and says, boy, you got to watch out for Ken. Now there's a guy you got to be scared of. There's not a single demon that's as scared of you. I know it's, it's disconcerting, but Satan doesn't say, boy, I, I had a fun time last week, but if it wasn't for brother so-and-so, I... You know, I would have really conquered things, but he's too much for me. But every demon in hell and the devil himself knows that there's somebody in charge, and his name is Jesus. And they have to ask permission for whatever they do. But there's coming a time. There's coming a time. When we look and assess what we can do, we run. We're just like the ten spies who see these gigantic things that are standing against us, and in our own eyes, in our own strength, we say, we can't handle it. There's no way. And the good thing is, I want to tell you, they're 100% right. If you see yourself as being able to defeat the enemy, you're delusional. You say, well, Pastor, I, I came in here needing some faith. <laughs> I don't need what you're telling me. The demons are real, and the giants are real, and fear is real, and all of these things real, and I'm not worth a hoot to go against them. Yeah, that's right. But when we see what God can do, and has done and has promised to do it changes the story it flips the script it's not about us seeing the giants differently it's about seeing who's bigger than every giant you'll ever face but we see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand Stephen had the rocks and 
coming his way, but he looked beyond the hatred of the Jewish leaders that had come out to stone him, and he looked up and said, I see Jesus. Well, look at that. I don't see your rocks. I don't see your anger and your hatred, gnashing of your teeth. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. And then Jesus welcomed him home, and he just yawned and fell asleep and left them with rocks in their hand, but no one to throw it at. We need to change our perspective, not our self-image. There's all kinds of books out today of little quickie ways to improve your self-image. No, we just need a better God image. We need to see God as he really is. We talked about it a few weeks ago when, when Isaiah said, on the year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. He, he wasn't dead. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the glory and the praise and the power, and the place shook because of him. He got his eyes off of the death and on to the living God. When we come to the giants in our lives, in our land, we can fix our attention upon them and run in fear or crumple and be paralyzed or we can do what the word of God says. Hear what it says. In Isaiah 41, I love this verse. Fear not. It doesn't just say, hey, pump yourself up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. No, the Lord gives a reason. He says, fear not, Isaiah 41.10, for I am with you. You're not in this situation alone. The giant may be in front of you, and he may seem huge, and he is huge, but God says, I'm with you. And that giant's afraid of God. Every giant in your life is afraid of the God that your Lord and Savior. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were increased against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing and those who strive with you shall perish. Not because of you. Not because you've got a better self-image of yourself. Because you've got a clearer vision of the God who stands with you. The giants are real. And I know this is terrible English, but God's realer. Isaiah 41 and verse 13 says, For I... The Lord your God will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Whoa. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, I'm not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt. Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo. Nor shall the flames scorch you. They didn't even smell like smoke. 
for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Here's the contemporary problem. Focus on the giants and you lose. Acknowledge that there are giants, but say, Lord, hold my hand, and he will, and there's victory. I used to read this differently. Uh, just recently, uh, some nieces and nephews came to live with a niece and nephew came to live with Carissa and Gary. And we were going to a football game the other night. Uh, the wind, rain was going sideways and cars are going in and out and people not uh, obeying the speed limits in the parking lot over Gro Grove City Christian. And so I watched and, and there's Rachel and she puts her hand down Little Espen reaches up and grabs her hand and walks right through all the cars. And Bryson grabbed my hand and we walked through there and they didn't seem to have any fear. Now, there's not a thing Rachel or I could have done to have stopped a car. But just holding the hand of somebody who's bigger can put a strength in your heart. Oh, that spoke to me the other night and it speaks to me right now. Folks, when you're facing the giants of fear in your life, he wants to hold your hand. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to hold your hand, and he's going to walk with you through it. And I got good news. He can stop the stuff that's coming. He can give you victory. He can cast away the giant of fear in your life because he is the God of your salvation. Oh, I got to quickly finish up. I'm just going to give you some word. Jot it down. I don't have time for you to turn to it. I want you to jot down these places I want to tell you because it's not about you having more confidence in yourself and in your ability. I know that's contrary to everything that's being taught today how great you are how great I am I am healthy wealthy and wise well not so much you know and I can say it a hundred times a day doesn't make it so it's not about my mantras and what I talk myself talk to me I'm still me at the end of the day but I need to have confidence in the one who is greater than I. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3 and following says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident. Say that word with me confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ confident not in yourself but in him he started it with you 
He saved you. How many have been saved by his grace? He started that work within you, and if you keep holding his hand, he's going to walk with you. He's going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He'll walk with you through the trials. He'll walk with you through the midst of the strife. He'll walk with you in the face of giants, and the giants will not run because of you, but who you're holding on to. The God of your salvation causes demons to run, giants to flee and fall before you. Oops. Another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now Paul's writing this to people that are facing some gigantic problems. The whole Roman Empire is out to kill them. The Jews are out to destroy them. He doesn't give them a pep talk about how great they are. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. Here it is. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse out. He's talking to all of these churches that have gigantic problems. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. He says it's all so that you know and every demon, every principality and power can go on record the eternal purposes of Jesus Christ our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him therefore I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulations for you which is for your glory our confidence is not in ourselves. if it is Get ready for some huge disappointments. But the giants that you face and the giants that I face run when they see who you're holding the hand of. It's not because of you. It's the God you're walking with. How many of you are walking with him today? How many of you realize you got some gigantic problems? The giant of fear in your life, but you're holding to the hand. Oh, there's an old gospel song, Take the Hand of the Man Who Stilled the Waters. Take the hand of the man who calmed the sea. We can walk with him and go through such situations because not because of your great awareness and ability and wisdom and power and strength and demons are just petrified of you. No, they're not. But they ask permission from Jesus of where they should go. Because there's coming a day. 
My confidence is not in my ability, <laughs> praise God, to take on the giants of my world. My confidence is in God's divine ability to overcome every foe. I don't have time to go into it, but don't put your confidence in your ability. Well, everybody tells me I need to have more self-confidence. No, you have, need to have more God confidence. Put your confidence in the Lord to overcome the gigantic forces that you're facing. The giants are real. Don't let anybody tell you they're not. But God is realer. God is mightier. God is the one they're scared of. Bring your giants of fear to the mercy seat today. Fear of sickness, fear of disease. Fear not, he's the healer, amen? Fear of financial reversal, fear not. He's the Jehovah Jireh that we sang about earlier, the God who provides. The fear of death, fear not, Christ has overcome death. And so will you as you're in Christ Jesus. Let the giants of fear fall before the God who's got your hand as you walk with him. Would you stand with me, please, today? I remind you there are giants in the land, and the giants are real. And anybody with an ounce of sense ought to be afraid. But I'm inviting you today symbolically with me. Reach up and grab a hold of the hand of Almighty God and simply say, Lord, walk with me. Walk with me. There's some giants in my life. I'm afraid of this. I'm fearful of that been overcome and paralyzed by fears just like the ten I've forgotten all that you've done all that you've done in my life and I focused more upon their ability to scare me than your ability to help me take my hand precious Lord and walk with Take my hand, precious God, and walk with me through this land of giants. They're never going to be afraid of me, but they sure are afraid of you, mighty God. This altar today is a place to come and grab hold of the hand of God. The Holy Spirit has been convicting some the giants of fear and the giants in your life than the one who wants to hold your hand and walk with you through it. You're paralyzed by some of these things. You're like a little child that is digging in their heels. And God wants to walk with you. He has plans for you. He has purposes for you. 
could ask the deacons to come and have the anointing oil ready. Pastors to come and have the anointing oil ready to anoint you. You're coming and acknowledge, yes, I've got some giants. And I've been afraid of them, but I want to put my hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. Put my hand in the hand of the man who called the sea. I want to walk with him. I want to take God's hand and face the giants, not in my own strength, but in the power and might of Almighty God. Come and be anointed with oil. Let the prayer of faith be lifted up. But all over the sanctuary, lift up your hand and see yourself grasping the hand, the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. He'll walk with you through the valley. He'll walk with you through the land of the giants. He'll walk with you through the adversity. Hold on to his hand today. Get a fresh grip. Get a fresh grip on God and faith in him today. Acknowledge the giants are real, but God is realer. This mighty God is available. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on down to the land. 